It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Mainly Modifieds episode. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media, and joining me right from the opening segment this week <laughs> we are uh we have the good fortune of having kyle souza on for the entire show this week uh what a treat that is we will bring kyle in off the um strutmasters.com race line here and kyle souza uh good to have you back with us first of all and we've got a lot of ground to cover because we actually have two special guests this week, Paul Root from Stafford Motor Speedway being one of them and uh, the winner of the opening race at uh, Jennerstown for the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour, Justin Bonsignor being the other. So, Kyle, we can get to the Wheel and Modified Tour stuff in a moment, um, but let's start with Stafford because uh as we kind of lead into our interview with uh Paula Root the COO from Stafford uh kind of referencing the 2020 season they're actually going to get things underway this coming Friday June the 26th with five weekly divisions under NASCAR sanction and I've got to imagine Kyle that it has taken uh, a small act of Congress to uh, make this happen up there for Stafford, and a lot of hard work has gone into this. Yeah, I can't say uh, that I've been part of that work, uh, but I can say that I've kept track of what's right. Paul Root, sure. Mark Root, uh, David Root, the gang over there at the Stafford Motor Speedway uh, have been able to do to get open for 2020. It's definitely been a fight with the state, uh, and you'll hear Paul Root talk a little bit about what he's had to do to get open uh, and dealing with the state and not only the state, but the town. And obviously uh, the town of Stafford Motor Speedway knows the Stafford Motor Speedway, uh, not the town of Stafford Motor Speedway, the town of Stafford <laughs> yeah. knows the Speedway very well because it's been there for so long. It's also been in the family for so long, right. uh, which helps the cause for the track. And I think Paul actually says the town has been very helpful uh, to getting with the governor and trying to get things open. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it. Their five weekly division is opening this week. On Friday night, they're at 20% grandstand capacity for the fans. Not a great number, but a decent number to get going with. Uh, obviously, still in the middle of the pandemic, the governor's taking it a little bit slowly uh, on capacity limits, 20%. Decent amount uh, for him and Stafford. Uh, they had a practice session last Saturday, over 100 cars in the paddock area, a really packed place, a lot of SK might modifies. We'll talk to him about that here in a second. Uh, and overall, they're just thrilled to get going. And I think a lot of the racetracks up here uh, in New England, up in New Hampshire, have already been going for pretty close to a month now, uh, a little bit less maybe. Connecticut, slower uh, than that. And unfortunately, Massachusetts, extremely slower uh, than that and similar with Maine. Uh, but Paul talking about a lot of different things and what it's going to take uh, for him to open the facility as the chief operating officer and get into the SK Modifies, the SK Lights, uh, the late models, the women late models, and the street stocks this coming Friday night, Tom. Always great to catch up with Paul. Uh, and overall, just really happy to be able to see some weekly racing under the NASCAR sanction in this region, uh, especially southeast New England. Connecticut, Rhode Island, there's no tracks in Rhode Island, so you're not going to see any racing there at all. Uh, and in Massachusetts, obviously, Seekonk a little bit more delayed because of the state situation there. So 
Uh, just happy to see some racing, and Paul uh, seemed pretty excited to get the year rolling. Oh, I bet they are. Now, uh, I have in my notes here that uh, the general admission is already sold out for Friday. Um, if I'm a fan and I want to be able to see the action, um, is there going to be a pay-per-view or some sort of live stream, some way that I can actually be a part of it, even if I can't get in the grandstand because the tickets have already been sold out? Yeah, at this time, Stafford hasn't announced any of that. Uh, talking with Paul briefly off the air, off the air this morning, it uh, doesn't seem like that's in the plans uh, mm. for their Friday night program right now. It just takes a lot of work to get that together. Uh, they've got a good video program there, as we have seen, uh, but unfortunately that pay-per-view thing just takes a lot of work. A lot of money, a lot of effort, uh, and the fact that they sold out 20% grandstand is a decent number. Uh, I don't know exactly how much capacity they run with on a normal Friday night in the, you know, the middle of the summer, uh, but 20% is decent. Um, you know, for a facility that holds that many people, it's a decent amount uh, of capacity. And selling out, obviously, there's a lot of modified fans that are anxious. Uh, but right now, that's why when they said when you you know you want to go, you got to buy tickets right off the get go. When they released them, uh, they went within. Basically, three or four days. Uh, it bet. didn't take long at all uh, to fill that 20%. They did have a limited amount of paddock passes available, uh, and I believe that those have now sold out as well. So uh, if you're on a race team, obviously you're going to be okay to get in. Uh, they've dealt with that already. Uh, and if you, you know, I'm sure there's race teams out there that could always use an extra hand. Uh, and obviously, Tom, we'll hear him talk about it with the masks, the social distancing. All that stuff's not going away anytime soon. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, let's go ahead and. Uh cue this up here and let's listen to what uh, Paul had to say and then uh, Kyle and I will come back with more discussion. Welcome back to Mainly Modified. This week we've got a special guest on the hotline to talk uh, promotion of a racetrack and what it's going to be like here to get reopened uh, post-COVID pandemic. Paul Root, the Chief Operating Officer of the Stafford Motor Speedway in Connecticut, joins us. Paul, good morning. Thanks for joining us. I want to talk about uh, what the pandemic's kind of meant to you. And let's start with the delay due to COVID. I mean, what this, what has this been like from a racetrack perspective to try to get open, fight through this process, dealing with the town, dealing with the state, trying to prove to them that you guys can do this and do this safely under the understanding that this is kind of a, a rather large uh, event facility that you have. Yeah, I uh, appreciate you having us on, Kyle. Um, yeah, it's definitely been challenging. It's like any other business. That's been, when you go from, you know, your typical operations to being totally closed down, especially coming off your office season where uh, you kind of plan all office season to kick off in April and have some income in the door and when that when that door is closed uh and income is, is zero it's pretty tough to just keep the lights on so definitely was a scary time for us and i've had pretty much every business uh, in any kind of stop or entertainment or hospitality uh, but you know we're happy to get back open here we uh really worked a lot with our local senator representative and also, as well as the commissioner of the department of economic development uh, and, and one big thing too is we had the town of Stafford on our side you know the whole time here so they really between our local reps in the town they really pushed uh, the governor to, to allow us to get back to uh, some kind of operating capacity even though it is pretty 
heavily restricted. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's exciting just to have some cars on track, some uh, fans in the stands, and to keep kind of these uh, momentum that we've built up over the last couple of seasons alive. And I think um, just judging by our practice last this Saturday, there's going to be it's going to be a heck of a show. So let's talk about that practice. I mean, it's obviously looking a little bit different. We've talked to a lot of promoters, a lot of drivers. Obviously, the modified tour kicking off last weekend with the masks. Uh, Seacong's been running some masks. New Hampshire, a little bit different. There aren't as many masks up there. Uh, how weird was that, man? Good car count there. So obviously, everybody's on top of it and ready to do. But how kind of weird is that to see the masks, see the distancing, have to set up for that in the grandstands? I mean, it's going to be an awkward experience and something really, if you look back three, four months you know, before this started, we would have never thought this stuff was going to happen to a racetrack. are actually going to be in that uh, situation. Before we talk about Friday, let's talk about iRacing. You guys kind of uh, spearheaded the start of this iRacing thing uh, for most of the racetracks, at least up here from our perspective. Um, Seacon, Jang Duong did their own thing. I mean, why was it the right time? I've heard you say a couple of times now you were a believer before, but now you're really a believer, and it seems to take off. I mean, you guys had, especially when you did the fan night and the regular Friday night, probably upwards of 120 cars a week jump on there and virtually go at it with a great program on the YouTube channel with your track announcer, you know, Kyle Ricky on there, Bonsa, Jeff McConey. I mean, just all around, it seemed like a good deal to keep everybody together and excited about racing. Yeah, I think it was really good program. came together pretty quickly. You got to thank the, you know, the guys at Global with this extended uh, racing channel for uh, helping us along the broadcast. Uh, the logistics of a live broadcast, but yeah, 
season is going to be different. We talked about the mass. We talked about the distancing. Uh, we talked a little bit about what to see, but this coming Friday night, you got a regular schedule in place for a typical uh, Napa Friday night, of course, with the SK Modifieds, the weight models, the SK lights, the limited weight model, uh, and the street stocks. Just basically looking at race monitor, you, you know, we talked about there was overall 100 cars there, uh, but I want to ask you specifically about this SK light Modified division. You guys had a ton of SK light Modifieds there for practice. What do you think has made this division uh, so successful, not only as a stepping stone for drivers that want to get to the SK Modified, like you're seeing Teddy and Brian Arduce do this year, but just in general, this division is going to have so many cars to start that you're going to be sending a good chunk of them probably home every week. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw over uh, 40 SK lights on Friday and for only 26 starting spots, which is, uh, is absolutely insane. Uh, and it's kind of we saw it coming for a while now. It's, I think the, the division does so well just because it's, it's so easy to get an old modified chassis. There's so many of them out there. They're so available. You, you know, you buy a chassis from the 90s, you buy a 602 crate, and you're, you're, you have a car. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's easy to put a car together. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a crazy challenging car to drive. Um, and people just wanted to, to drive a modified. And it's anyone who has the chance to run a mod and staffer, you know, that's, that's kind of a dream of a lot of guys. So it opens up the door and makes it a lot more affordable than, uh, you know, trying to go SK racing or, or open or getting into an open mod, but definitely still, uh, we're always trying to keep the cost down the best that we can, up the purses the best that we can. And we're just always, we're going to continue to try and, you know, improve the purses, improve the cost of, um, the affordability of that class. And I think it'll continue to grow. Um, there's a, there were 35 cars here for practice in the SQ Life Division, which I, I don't, words can't even describe that. I think 99% of the asphalt tracks in the, the country would kill yeah. to get that 
that many cars in a weekly show for get out of practice day. So there's at least another 15 guys that didn't even come on Saturday that I know have a car and intend to run at some point this, this season. I doubt they're all going to come on Friday, but I think we'll have 35 to even 40 cars battling for 20 to 6 the starting spots. That's absolutely crazy to think. Uh, and a good thing. So I guess, I guess the final point uh, that we want to cover with you on uh, this week's edition of Manly Modifieds is the big question out there. I know you've seen it on social media. You haven't quite directly responded to it. Um, and I saw, you know, a couple of stories that people have written. You, you kind of said you didn't know at this time. But what, what does it kind of look like for the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour races? I mean, I know the Sizzler, obviously, at this point, uh, kind of in the past, the Sizzler is scheduled to happen two months ago now. So the chances that the spring Sizzler race happens uh, are very slim. But, you know, I, obviously, you're not 100% sure. But what is this going to kind of look like if the modified tour is going to come in i mean i would think from a promoter's perspective you're going to need more than 20 percent right to make an event like that happen yeah the tour is not very possible with a reduced capacity so uh talking with jimmy about what we can do here uh, hopefully we'll have some more info by the end of the weekend and that's not what it's gonna look like um you know, it's hard, right? We, we all grew up on the, the modified tour. Um, it's, a great, it's a great program over the years. A lot of good drivers involved in it, but it's really challenging with those, with the first, you know. It's for, for the Stafford event, it's very, very expensive. We're not, especially with the virus, we're not in any position to lose money. We, can't, we just can't, right? Yeah. In the past, we've had modified tour events where we just don't lose. We lose a lot because of the weather, because of you know maybe the threat of storms in the area. And we still have the event, and you know it's just like any other business. You can't lose money, and you definitely can't do it coming off being closed for what eight months because we haven't had an event here since last October. Right. So. Um, you know, it's really all going to depend on how it uh, shakes out at NASCAR. Uh, but with that being said, I think we have a great program with our open mods. We have, you know, pretty much we told a lot of the talent that's already on the tour. And, you know, if not on the tour, our SK division is absolutely loaded with talent. And a lot of those guys end up doubling up and, you know, they do the SKs and they have a, they have an open car. So, you know, you know, say the tour isn't able to come in in 2020, the staff are just because, you know, the numbers don't add up. We, uh, we have open cars and we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to have tour type mod staff a bunch this, this summer. And, you know, I expect that July 10th event to be a, be over, 25 to 30 cars in the paddock. It's going to be your top drivers. It's going to be your Dowlings, your Lutzes, your uh, Roccos. You know, it's going to be a, you're a good ale. It's going to be a, a good, another good field. We've talked a lot on this show about why that event uh, is so successful. But from a track perspective, when you look at those open modified 80s, they pay a little bit less overall uh, cut for for a value. You know, to bring the modified tour in is more like 70000 That open modified purse doesn't cost you as much. Is that the only reason why it's successful or I mean I guess my last question kind of ties into this why is it so important that Stafford Motor Speedway gets open in 2020 I mean is it the tradition the modified tradition I mean this open 80 kind of fits the the value of Stafford Speedway and the past history yeah I think 
there's a lot that goes into that. I think the open eighties are kind of uh, a throwback to the good old days of, of the mods, right? It's an open show. Anybody can come and run. You know, it's not a, it's an eighty lap event. So in, in terms of tour type of racing, it's a sprint race. You know, you can pit if you want, change the two tires. You don't have to pit. You can you can try and you know try and ignore the distance. Um, we keep the events really really short. We don't we open the gate at two o'clock. You know we only tack the top five. We keep it very simple. We can like on the tour a lot of the issues that in my in our opinion at Stafford is that it's overdone. Right? They they check every car twice. Uh, there's loads of officials in the paddock area. The races are long. There's, there's zero passing, especially at Stafford with on modified tour. You know, it's hard for us to promote events where there isn't any passing. Right. So, you know, we introduce the pit stop. We only allow guys to buy the six tires. You know, we keep the cost down the best that we can. And you know, that's kind of a double-edged uh, sword as well, right? We're talking about a tour type a mod, which is obviously expensive car, we're trying to keep costs down, uh, you know, air uh, quotes around that, but we're, we're, we're trying to make it, make the event simple. You show up at two, you're done by ten, you go home. And I, you know, in, in talking to some of the guys like Goodale, he loves it because, you know, he doesn't have to get here at 8 a.m. on a Friday. He, he, he leaves Long Island Noon, he's back at his his uh, his house at eleven at, at night, the same night. Yeah. Keep the shows very simple, um, and we kind of give it the Stafford Stafford uh, flair. We do the free race, we do the you know the web hits online. We, you know, we produce content around the drivers, and I think that's a lot of the reason why we have one hundred twenty-five cars in the pack for practice. Because I don't care if you're Chase Dowling, or if you're George Bissett driving a street stock, you're a driver at Stafford. We're gonna uh, put you on a big stage. Right. Yeah, and that puts you in a position where there are going to be a lot of cars for this season opener this coming Friday night. I'm sure a lot of cars uh, for the entire 2020 season once you get up and running. Paul, I know you're busy. Uh, I can hear the birds chirping in the background, which means you're out there already at 8-something in the morning uh, trashing away on whatever you need to get uh, done ahead of Saturday. Really want to thank you for some time. Uh, appreciate it. Always good talking to you and uh, looking forward to talking again soon to figure out how this opener went and what's going to be able to be sustained in 2020. All right, that's been This has been Paul Root. When we come back, we'll talk more about Stafford's opener, what this could mean for the SK Modified Division uh, and SK Whites and all their divisions in 2020. Stick with us. We will be right back. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, my computer career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. 
My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds. As uh, we just heard from Paul Root, I am really honestly, Kyle, I'm thankful that Paul was kind enough to uh, take the time to talk to us. I know he's got to be about crazy out of his mind right now, but uh, sounds like a guy who's got everything about as well-organized as he possibly could at this point. And, of course, as a promoter, you're always worrying about what have I missed, um, you know, and, and uh, the last-minute uh, bugs that, that uh, come up for you. But um, one of the things that um, I guess everybody really thinks about at this point, given the situation with the Wheel and Modified Tour, is, um, you know, what's what's the deal with the Mod Tour at Stafford? I mean, it's, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, you know, with, with 20% capacity, can't believe you're bringing in the Modified Tour. But, you know, what... What do you see are the chances based on what you're hearing from the sources you talk to in the various, uh, you know, governments and such? Uh, what are you hearing about the chances that we may be able to get enough people into Stafford for them to feel comfortable hosting a tour race before 2020 ends? Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple things here to hit on. We've talked a lot before about the sanctioning fees that it takes to bring in the modified tour. Uh, and j- just for an example, the modified tour, this year, somewhere around seventy thousand yeah. uh, dollars to bring them in for a sanctioning fee. So for a track, obviously you get the front gate admission, the back gate admission, the concession admission. Uh, there, there's a lot of different things that do come up uh, for a track to try to make some of that money back. Uh, as far as the uh, concession stand kind of rolls, the the front gate, the back gate. Uh, so seventy thousand dollars seems like a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me, on a good night though. Uh, it is highly possible that you can make that $70,000 back <clears throat> and be successful uh, right. for that event. The difference, obviously, in 2020 is the COVID pandemic and being closed down until you know the end of June. Uh, that obviously has hurt that cash flow. That $70,000 is usually generated through the first couple of events in most cases for most tracks. Obviously, Stafford runs the tour in their you know annual Spring Sizzler opening weekend. But the fact that they've got so many divisions and so many fans there, it kind of pays for itself, I'm sure, sure. Uh, in some cases. It did hear Paul say, in other cases, it doesn't, uh, and you lose your rear end on it because of weather uh, or whatever else might be the case. Right. As far as low capacity at Stafford and the tour, 20% capacity, you know, we just talked about it. It's a decent amount, but it's definitely not enough for the track to make 70 grand back. Uh, in front gate and back gate admission. So the question, Tom, is going to become, are they going to race with no fans at Stafford? Uh, And I think that, you know, it's a possibility. Uh, It's definitely out there as a realm of possibility. I don't think it's a realm of possibility on a Friday night uh, because they can run with capacity and and weekly divisions. So why do that? Uh, I think, you know, maybe you could see a show on a different day from Friday, some people think. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think the Modified Tour is going to run there until they're up to at least 40%, 50% capacity, uh, which they're hoping, you know, fingers crossed, is sometime in July. Uh, I think the August 7 date there for the Modified Tour on the Friday night is not in jeopardy quite yet. There's still time in between. Okay. Uh, but the Modified Tour there at a limited capacity, I don't know. I, I don't think the fan count at 20% is going to do it. In fact, I know it won't. Uh, the question, though, Tom, is going to become, 
what does NASCAR do for a purse for these events? I mean, you know, Dennerstown happening this past weekend. We're going to transition to that here in a second and talk about what happened there. But they obviously didn't pay $70,000 with no fans in the stands. Right. The tour going to White Mountain Motorsports Park on July 4th. Uh, their first time there, a non-NASCAR sanctioned track. I can tell you that I know they did not pay $40,000, uh, 70000 excuse me. They paid somewhere more around forty. dollars uh, So 30000 or so dollar, dollar cut uh, with 50% grandstands in New Hampshire, they can probably make that forty back and more. Stafford, not with 20%. So I just talked about a lot of different things at once. But in general, summary, I don't see it happening with a limited capacity, uh, but I do think by August 7th, they might have enough. It's just one of those things where we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, and you, and you kind of look at it, and again, we've talked about it for the last few weeks on this show that the purse matters, right? At some point, the purse is going to really matter. I mean, everybody wanted to race and wanted to get going, and I think what you saw, you had, we had an excellent turnout at Jennerstown, and, you know, you you saw – a bunch of team players is what you saw. You saw a bunch of drivers and teams who are team players and said, you know what? Okay, we'll buy in for this show and reduce purse because we want to go racing and we've, we all have to help, basically. It's a two, two-way street. Um, and you would think in theory that a race at a, a Stafford or a, another track in New England that isn't nearly the whole, which means not nearly the expense for the teams that um, Jennerstown would be, you would think that the teams maybe would continue to support a lower purse just in this situation, still with the COVID thing being you know, an issue and fans not being able to come in droves. But I think if you get to a point where you've got you know, half or more of your grandstand, these drivers are going to, you know, they're going to want their purse. And, I, it, you know, again, you you just, uh, there's there's going to be a point where that's going to matter. And, and, and so you wonder, you just wonder, you and I kind of sit here as media and we try to figure out what we think uh, is the, the most likely scenario because that's part of our job. And I think half the time when we do that, we realize that really we're, we're giving it our best shot based on information we have today, and this situation has never been a long-term thing. In other words, you know, by the time this show airs uh, later this evening, there could be something that could happen that could take it in a whole different direction So that we didn't know about when we did the show. So it's, it's just a, a very complicated situation, and I'm sure, I'm sure everybody wants to race more, but... but you know, I feel like uh, what we're seeing is a is a pretty big variation still from state to state in the New England area in terms of where they're at on their recovery or reopening or whatever. Um, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see what the season looks like. Obviously, next uh, next event should be a new track again, a neutral site for everybody, and. Uh, we'll just see where it goes from there. And I guess we could probably transition to talking about Jennerstown, Kyle, because um, I, I I know I was quite surprised to see Justin Bonsignor, not to see him pick up where he left off, so to speak, or to see him win the race. But, you know, I thought it, I thought we'd have a lot more kind of comers and goers in it. I did miss a couple of parts of the race. Um in the middle, just trying to tend to other things. But, um, 
but it seemed like Justin pretty much had his own way for the most part, uh, you know, during the race, especially toward the end. Yeah, it doesn't so much come as a surprise to me that he basically kicked everybody's butt. Um, It comes as a surprise to me, though, like you said, that there weren't drivers that were, you know, more able to contend with him at different points in the race. Um, And and so the the, the rundown on this, no fans at Jennerstown. Um, And that's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Obviously, from a track perspective, they paid less money than 70, so no fans might work. Um, From another perspective, uh, they had a, a weekly series event on Saturday night that had a packed grandstand. So uh, it, it's confusing for a race fan. That's my number one thing. Uh, when they can come in there and pack in like sardines Saturday night, and, and if you didn't see Doug Kobe's pictures on Facebook and Twitter, check them out. They were literally packed in there like sardines in a grandstands. Yeah. Uh, and then Sunday, there's no fans for the modified tour. Uh, and obviously a NASCAR decision because if it was up to the track, they would have had the fans right? because um, they had the fans Saturday night. But from my perspective, uh, it makes it very difficult to to look at this and say, you know, to an, to an average race fan, explain to them why they can't attend. Uh, it, it, it's confusing. Well, I agree. Uh, but so they don't have any fans uh, there on Sunday. And obviously uh, we'll, we'll hear from Justin Bonsignor here in a little bit about what that was like to kind of have no fans uh, and experience that. But I think, the general gist of this event uh, was the fact that you talked about a neutral track. It's definitely a neutral track. They haven't gone there since 2006. Uh, there was only five or ten drivers that had even raced there that are still active, yeah. uh, and some of them didn't even go. Uh, so Kobe had raced there. There were some other guys. Um, and obviously there's a couple different things you look at here. Number one, and I think what we got to start with, is Bonsignor. I mean, he up front in practice, uh, he, he wins the pole, goes out late in the single car qualifying, wins the pole, and just puts a real butt-kicking on the field. Uh, and I can't say it any other way. I mean, he just went out there and slapped him in the face, yeah. uh, leading all the laps, dominating, pulling away. Nobody was even close to competing with him. Uh, and, and it makes it look like, Tom, to me, I put up a story uh, on one of my other outlets this morning that, I mean, to me, he just stamped himself as the title favorite. I know it's race one, but you have to look at it as though it's going to be a short season. He's won 15 of his last 33 starts uh, on the NASCAR wheel, a modified tour, all with Ryan Stone as crew chief. Uh, And and to me, I I just don't see how you could make an argument that anybody else is going to be able to stop this, uh, knowing that he went to a neutral track where he has no experience driving and still kicked everybody's butt. And now they're going to go to some tracks that are at least similar, like White Mountain, similar to tracks that he's won at before. I just just don't see anybody slowing him down anytime soon. Well... Uh, okay, I mean, I get it, and and I definitely can see that uh, that argument. Um, I can play devil's advocate for a minute or two, though, and say that this this was sort of an unusual circumstance. You had um, you had a tour that that basically was this was the race one, pretty much. Now you say, well, yeah, but it was race one for him too. Yes, but you know, he his deal is the same. You have Doug Kobe who's you can say well it's he's driven the car and it's the same team basically but it's not it's Doug Kobe's team now and it's a whole different situation it may be similar but it's not identical um you had Salamito with basically a new situation you know you you you've got some new faces in new places right now um I don't know. I I I could play devil's advocate and say that I would agree 
that he's obviously the favorite because he won the opening race. And insofar as that goes, um, that makes makes perfect sense because it is a shortened season. However, I do think that as we get to now this next track, again, is a neutral track. If, if uh, Monsignor goes and wins this one too, then, you know, you... <laughs> Some, you know, I mean, unless you're going to kidnap him and keep him away from a race or two, um, you know, he's obviously got the inside track as long as he keeps finishing halfway decently. But I feel like this is a, a weird sort of season. I don't want to I don't want to say I don't want to base everything on this one performance because there were too many, too many new and too many different situations for me to to believe um, that uh, it's just all going to be quite that easy at this point. You had some other really good performances, Kyle, in that tour race. Um, Again, some of these younger drivers that we talk about as being the potential future ended up having some pretty good runs there. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Craig Lutz, yeah. uh, and we talked about Lutz, you know, uh, what seems like forever ago now, the beginning of what we thought was going to be the beginning of the season. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of races postponed, canceled, uh, but Lutz finishing second in the opener. Yeah. Uh, and how about a rundown here? Bonsior picking up the win, obviously, in the opener. To touch on your point, you're right. I mean, Doug Kobe's through race one. Uh, there's some kinks to be worked out yep. there. Uh, if you look at the stats, you know, Justin Bonsior is clearly uh, the guy that they're going to have to, you know, Doug Kobe sure. is going to have to fight with for this championship. There could be other guys that sink into the midst, but Bonsior is that one guy that's shown, uh, obviously, that he's the, you know, the favorite here mm-hmm. to kick things off for with sure. the dominating performance yep. in the stat list that he's had. Um, Watts finishing second, McKennedy third, uh, John McKennedy, Matt Hirschman a strong fourth, and then we'll get to it in a minute, but Calvin Carroll with his first career top five finishing yes. fifth. Uh, we talked about Kobe. Ron Silk was sixth. The other guy that kind of is in the championship mix there. Uh, Kobe seventh. Kyle Bonsignor eighth. Matt Swanson ninth. And Rob Summers tenth. Uh, a couple cars did DNF. Amy Catalano, Tommy Catalano, Walt Sutcliffe, Timmy Catalano, all three Catalanos DNFing. Uh, and Andrew Krause DNFing uh, as well. So 33 cars for the Wade Cole 133 Memorial. Uh, fitting number with Wade Cole's yeah. number, number being one, you know, being number 33 in the Wade Cole Memorial, 133. Uh, you mentioned Craig Lutz. Yep, a strong run for him to get things going as well as a young gun uh, trying to prove that he's going to be a guy to contend for this championship. Didn't quite run up there the whole race, but kind of made a late charge to get second. John McKennedy had a tire problem on the first run. Uh, they pit, make some adjustments, get a good set of tires on there that's ready to go. He charges up there. Uh, and finishes third, driving for Tommy Baldwin. Uh, we talked about a shortened season, Tom, but they're not going to run 17 races, obviously. We're already almost in July. Right. This is race one. You're probably looking at somewhere more around 10, uh, and that might even fit a guy like John McKennedy. Uh, if Tommy Baldwin can get to all the races, I know Tommy's going to be at White Mountain for the second stop on tour on the 4th of July, but John, another guy that finished in the top five that we know has got modified experience, and obviously has proven that he can win and run in the front on a consistent basis. So uh, your top three there, a little bit of a diverse group. Bonsignor and Ryan Stone been together two years, but Bonsignor and his car owner been together 10 or 12. No surprise they win. Watts has been strong over the last year or two. No surprise that he's up there. McKennedy, a strong run. No surprise. Matt Hirschman, fourth. Definitely no surprise. The surprise to me was Calvin Carroll. Exactly. I mean, this guy won yep. the Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago, and he basically – Shocked everybody here to run in the top five as 
first career time up there in the top five. Well, that's and that's when I said some of these young guys that we've been talking about, um, you know, Calvin definitely one of them that that you, you know, you think you're waiting for that time when he takes that step and, uh, you know, and becomes capable of running for wins. And this certainly was a nice run for him. You know, we we talked about before we've we've really talked about it for the last three or four weeks probably um in terms of how different the season was going to be and how important every race is and how important the first race was going to be we were kind of relating it to myrtle beach for a bit there and then it became jennerstown calvin Carroll's now you know he's he's got a top five finish so he comes out of there with some momentum we're going to another another track that hardly anybody knows much about. Um, so again, if Calvin Carroll can put another good run together, you know this is this is what changes when you go from a seventeen race schedule to half that at best, probably. I mean, I'm going to say, you know, you're saying ten. I'm still thinking probably eight is going to be the top end number um, at the rate we're going, but. You know, eight to ten races, six to eight to ten races. Every race that you take off the schedule makes the remaining races that much more important. So it's what have you done today? And Calvin Carroll got a top five and put himself, you know, in certainly in in points contention. Uh, you would have to argue. Um, and if if Bonsignor is the favorite, then certainly you've got some other guys. Uh, I mean, Kobe didn't finish that far back. He was, what, seventh or eighth, I think. Um, you know, there's still plenty of opportunity for him to win, but he's, you know, again, that's going to be the key is you've got to stop Justin Bonsignor now. And we all knew going in he was going to be one of the favorites. No matter who had won this first race, we would be saying that he's, you know, he comes out of this as the guy you got to, you got to beat because he's got the most points going into race two. But um, yeah, Calvin Carroll did a great job, and and it's it's drivers like him and Lutz. Um, you know, some of the other guys we talked about maybe, you know, Ripkema uh, potentially having a good start. He didn't really do as well as 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 we'd hoped. Uh, you know, and and there you know some of the other guys as well. Matt Swanson even. Um, you know, I think. If you get to White Mountain and any of those guys get up front and, you know, so this is a very different kind of a season with 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 a reduced number of races. It certainly makes every race important. So if Kobe wants to win the championship this year, he's going to have to um, get up and, and run for the win. You got to have top threes if you're going to win a championship this year. There aren't going to be enough races to really have a throwaway. So if you're not on the podium, you're probably not going to win the points. And, um, you know, you look at Bonsignor and Lutz, there's two of the ones that we talked about going in were being the heavy favorites, Kyle. And, and so there you have it. Um, you know, they come out of this with a first and a second, and all of a sudden we're, you know, we're talking about those two as being, you know, the favorites for, uh, for the championship. And, um, so what they do at White Mountain is now going to be critical because if if you now have a, DM, a DNF or a bad finish, you know, then you're probably right back out of it again because the next guy that wins or finishes second is going to have the momentum going into race three, wherever that is. So it's um it's a really wacky season for the Wheel and Modified Tour, Kyle. And the the less races we end up having, the more 
the more each individual race counts, so you just can't have a mistake. Yeah, uh, and I couldn't have said that better myself. I mean, there's just so many unknowns yeah. too with what's coming up. It's kind of fun. Uh, and why don't we why don't we cover the schedule uh, and what sure. we know about the 2020 yeah. season? Talking with Justin, uh, you'll hear us talk about it here in a bit. Uh, with the fact that there's so much uncertainty, they want to reschedule some of these races, although it's not going to be possible to do them all. Uh, our original schedule, and here are the races that have been postponed uh, with hopes to make them up later and no announcement of a cancellation. South Boston, Thompson's Icebreaker, Stafford Sizzler, Seekonk, um, and that's it for postponements uh, that haven't been either rescheduled or canceled. Uh, Jennerstown was supposed to run on May 23rd. Right. That race has been moved to August 22nd, so they're going to still run that uh, event. Martinsville, May 8th, canceled outright for the season. Iowa, July 31st, canceled for the season. Loudoun, July 18th, canceled for the season. Uh, so, And then Riverhead was supposed to run June 20th, uh, and that's now been rescheduled as well to October the 17th. Oof. So. Uh, they've put two two dates at Riverhead within about a month time frame, September 19th and October 17th, uh, and that's obviously going to stock up, uh, stock up, stock up uh, the month of October yeah. uh, for some of these race teams. Obviously, as well, uh, we've got a new race on the schedule on the 4th of July, uh, 6 p.m. start, Independence Night uh, Extravaganza at the White Mountain Motorsports Park uh, coming up uh, in North Woodstock, New Hampshire. Tom, I'm not sure if you've seen this track. Uh, it reminds me, for these modified tour fans that don't know, kind of reminds me of the Madnock Speedway, uh, a small, oh, okay. smaller bull ring uh, that's a little tight, some banking in the corners, but not a ton. Uh, and it's kind of a neutral track, but also I think talking to Justin Monsignor, it's almost not for some of these race teams. They'll probably bring a similar setup to when they used to run Madnock uh, three, four years ago. They might incorporate some of the Riverhead setup just because it's a small uh, bow ring style track uh, that they need to, you know, kind of look on and see what they can do. But White Mountain is going to be a, an interesting show. I mean, a lot of these guys have never driven there at all. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to get some practice, I believe, about an hour. So that's not a ton. Uh, this is not a track that allows pitting because the pitting is outside of the infield uh, and then oh. the backstretch area. So a different track. Reminds me of Bananot, reminds me of Riverhead, kind of merged together with some banking, uh, but I Fun. think a track that's going to be a hell of a show for Modified. Well, and, and you love that kind of a race on the 4th of July, right? I mean, that's uh, you you want the holiday weekend races to be big-time races. In other words, not just that you hype them, but that the action itself, you know, you want fireworks. Well, go run a bowl ring. Um, so that sounds like a good recipe there. I had, I was not familiar with the track, uh, but I love seeing a new track on the schedule and I'm hopeful that maybe we can keep it there after this year uh, and, and add that to, because uh, let's face facts here. I mean, I, and I, I, you know, I want to be careful how I say this, but I'm just, I'm a fan at this point uh, of the modified tour more than I am anything else. And I, you know, when I see three, four, five races at the same track, you know, it, the, the tour itself becomes slightly less interesting. And so I love seeing more tracks because then, you know, it, it you don't have to stack so many races at one or two tracks. You could spread it out more. Uh, I will also point out, you did not mention Oswego, but that is because really, as of right now, there's no reason to talk about Oswego because nothing's changed. There's been no uh, postponement of that event on Labor Day weekend. 
there's no talk of postponement of that event on Labor Day weekend as of right now. Anyway, Oswego is tentatively planning to open on the 4th of July with some sort of fan capacity. Uh, I have not spoken with Camden Proud since I uh, was got back from uh, I was out in Indianapolis this past weekend for the Indy Summer Nationals. I've not had a chance to get an update on where they're at, but uh I would say that no news is good news at this point because the plan has been laid out for them to open on the 4th of July. And absent of anything telling us different, I think we can assume that still happens. And that, uh, again, if nothing goes off the rails with regard to the virus, by the time we get to Labor Day weekend, we should be hopefully at full capacity and everything that was scheduled for Labor Day weekend can uh continue which would include the modified tour race so that's that's kind of where where that show is to the best of my knowledge so um gosh i don't know man it, it's uh it, it it feels like every week we kind of get on here and say maybe but that really is kind of the, you know, it's kind of where you're at because it is still changing by the day and by the week there are still states in new england as you pointed out earlier that are behind others in terms of their reopening and so you know for the for the modified tour it's just it still is a little bit about wherever we can find a track to race at and when we can get a race scheduled um so i don't think you know i still don't think we know what's reasonable even with some of those races that have been sort of slid back but not outright canceled i don't think we know too much more about a a lot of those either because you're waiting on forces that you can't control Uh, and i think that you know you mentioned the rest of the schedule you're right i mean basically uh white mountain motorsports park july 4th the wall stadium race uh has been postponed uh, I've just learned as I'm oh, sitting here. Wow! Um, Breaking scheduled news. for Saturday, July 11th. That's been postponed. So, you know, you're hearing this a day or so from now, but yeah. or maybe tonight. Um, but I've just learned of that. That race has been postponed. Um, so that puts us at July 4th at White Mountain, and then the next race would be August 7th at Stafford. I'm sure NASCAR is going to fit a couple races in the middle of the year somewhere. Sure. Um, and then Thompson on August 19th. Obviously, Jennerstown the 22nd of August. We talked about with fans. They hope, uh, and then Oswego on the 5th. Uh, New Hampshire for the Musket 200 on the 12th, Riverhead on Sunday, uh, Saturday, September 19, uh, Stafford on the 27th, and then Thompson for the World Series on October 11th. Obviously, they've already put Riverhead October 17th, so Thompson's not going to be the title race this year. Um, and I can tell you from sources close to the situation that it's more likely that a trip to Virginia and South Boston will crown the champion uh, on October the 24th. Oh, boy. So, there are some announcements coming. Uh, you know, my intel has, has told me some things that uh, can definitely tell me that South Boston is probably going to be the title race. I don't think you're going to be crowning a champion at Riverhead. Um, and that that's all of hope that <laughs> the coronavirus continues to trend in the right direction and nothing closes down again. Because once something closes down again, uh, we could be in some deep trouble. So uh, a lot of going things going on there with the tour, Tom. Before we, you know, get to the Justin interview, uh, let him kind of run us through what happened at the tour race? What was it yeah. like to wear the mask? You know, how sure. did the race go? Why is his connection with Ryan Stone so strong? And talk about the remaining of 2020, what could be coming. I do want to mention uh, that there was a bit of a conflict uh, this time last week. NASCAR uh, releasing the White Mountain race on Tuesday afternoon. However, TriTrack, uh, a similar modified tour for those who are not aware, that runs a similar race cars, pretty dang similar. Yeah. Uh, you know, not spec motors most of the time, uh, but they run similar race cars with similar talent. 
uh, Tri-Track had scheduled the race for July 4th at Manadnock as well. NASCAR came out maybe four or five hours after that announcement was made uh, and booked their own race at White Mountain on the same day. Oh, boy. Uh, two hours up the road when, you know, a lot of the teams try to run both, or at least some of the drivers do. Uh, so Tri-Track, in the best interest, they say, in the best interest of race fans and race teams, uh, they've rescheduled that event for the 5th. The next day, uh, so modified race fans have got a heck of a weekend in New Hampshire. The 4th of July at White Mountain, you can drive an hour and 48 minutes or so up the road on Sunday and see Tri-Track at Monadnock for 100 laps with that same star power. Ron Silk, Chase Dowling, Ronnie Williams, Woody Pitcat. You're not going to get Kobe. You're not going to get Bonsignor, but you're going to get the next group of guys that's just as good. Uh, so Tri-Track on the 5th. Uh, and then for next week's show, Tom, we'll talk a lot more about Tri-Track, what they've got going on for 2020, their remaining schedule. Uh, and I think as long as you're ready, it's fair enough that we can transition to let Justin kind of take it away, uh, listen to what he had to say, uh, and then you'll come back and kind of wrap us up for this week's Yeah, edition. I'll just uh, throw in a comment here before we do that about uh, that double header. That's how you resolve an issue right there. You just simply make a double header out of it. And I wonder what would happen if somebody had known about this far enough ahead of time and came up with some sort of a three, four, five thousand dollar bonus. Uh, to win both shows it whether we would see a kobe or one of the guys who normally wouldn't run the tri-track race what would it take to get them to do both shows because that would ultimately be what you would want right is to have all the available talent at both of those shows on the fourth of july weekend that and, and and that was the first thing that that i think about is well you know somebody could put up a bonus to win both races and what would it take to uh you know what kind of a bonus would you have to put up to get the Kobe's to to go run you know the uh the, the non NASCAR sanctioned event Yeah there's a lot of uh question marks I think specifically yeah. around what the purse is going to be for that race uh, I mentioned you know Intel telling me they've paid somewhere in the vicinity of $40,000 for that event as far as the racetrack goes what does that mean for the purse right. I don't know but Tri-Track pays 6,000 to win uh NASCAR paid 4 or so at Jennerstown, wow. I'm sure they're going to at least match that six grand for Tri-Track. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to think that they don't. Um, so, yeah, yeah, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be some guys that run both. Craig Lutz is going to run both. Uh, Intel, you know, they're telling me that. Dave Sapienza considering both. Ronnie Silk's running both with a different car. Chase Dowling's running both with a different car. Woody Pitcat with a different car. Ronnie Williams with a different car. I mean, these guys are going to be running both. Uh, so for a modified race fan, and I do encourage, if you're planning on attending that event at White Mountain, buy your tickets ahead. And Manadnock, 50% fan capacity goes by quickly at those tracks. They don't have as many grandstands as Stafford or Seekonk right. or some of these other tracks. It's not New Hampshire Motor Speedway with 100,000 seats. Uh, so 50% is not that many. So buy your tickets ahead. They're doing it over the phone, getting you your tickets. Uh, and don't miss this weekend, man. I hope to see you up there. Yeah, and with that, uh, we're not even going to take a break here. We're going straight into uh, the interview with Justin Bonsignor, and then we'll be back to close things out after that's over. Here's Justin. Welcome back to Manly Modifieds as we catch up with the first winner of the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour season. It's felt like forever since the Wheel and Modified Tour was on the track. Uh, last October at Thompson, obviously the COVID pandemic uh, affecting the way things went with the schedule for 2020. They finally get on the track this past Sunday afternoon at the Jennerstown Speedway in Pennsylvania. And this guy, Justin Bonsignor, picks up the win in the season opener. Justin, before we talk about how the race went itself, uh, how great was it to be back at the track, back with the crew, dealing with the mask, dealing with 
the distancing? I mean, what was it like? A little bit probably different than it was before. Yeah, first, just thanks for having me back on, and um, for sure it was great to be back at the track and, and seeing all our crew guys and, and seeing all the other teams and all the you know the friends you make in the garage area. So uh, it's been a while since we've seen all of them, and um, it was definitely nice to get back. It was definitely different uh, having to wear the mask all day and, and try and do socially distancing at, at the same time as trying to do all the required work. But, um, you know, I think uh, NASCAR did a good job and had some good plans in place, and um, it was also pretty, pretty lax, too, if you needed a break from the mask. They were they were definitely more than willing to work with you, and um, it wasn't um, it wasn't overbearing by any means. So um, you know anything we need to do to get back to racing, what we're going to do. That's the type of people we are. We're racers, and um, it was uh, it was definitely a different situation for sure. Not having any fans, anything like that. It was uh, definitely definitely weird. But um, you know, hopefully uh, things are starting to open back up, and that's a sign of things to come, and we get back to normal soon. So you're on the track, you're in the you're in the pit area, obviously looking up at the grandstands. Do you even? I mean, I, you know, I, I know you said it's weird, but do you notice when you're driving around in the race? I mean, it, it must have hit you kind of when you turned around and grabbed the checkered flag at the end of the race and start, you know, started taking a Polish victory lap. But did, did it hit you at any point that it was kind of like a shock to see no fans there? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I got down to, to grab the checker flag and that was probably the first time it really struck that uh, that there was nobody up in the stands and uh, I just figured you know I, I kind of have that tradition I do it every time I win a race so I figured stick with it and, um, and you know we could do it you know good for TV and stuff like that but um, the, the, the biggest thing was when we got out of the car in, in victory lane and, and not having any of your crew guys there and, and you turn around with the flag in your hand and you're standing on the door and uh, you know you look in the crowd and, and it's or you look in the stands and it's completely empty and, and it's dead silent so it was definitely uh, definitely a weird situation, but uh, you know, thankfully NBC uh, has the track pass program, and I, hopefully a lot of people watched. And uh, it sounds like the coverage was really good, so that's uh, you know a nice alternative. But um, I think when we go back in August with the fans at that track, it'll be uh, a really good experience. Yeah, it looks like a good show, uh, at least on track pass perspective. Of course, I wasn't there either. Uh, let's talk about the race. I mean, you come out in the morning, uh, a short practice session. So you guys typically unload really well. I think that was even more important yesterday. You qualify in the pole, uh, and then you basically, you know, put a butt kicking on the whole field. I mean, it looked easy, but I'm sure uh, the day had some kinks in it that you guys had to work out. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as always, Ryan brought an unbelievable race car, unloaded really good. Um, I think the track kind of threw a lot of us for a loop. Uh, it seemed like everybody was making pretty big adjustments during practice. And, um, you know, but when Ryan brings a car that's so good, even at a brand new racetrack for me, you're able to uh, get up to speed pretty quickly and you're not chasing the race car too much. Um, we, the second run of the day, we were able to go to the top of the board and, and it just builds your confidence on how good the car is going to be and you're, you're already able to learn what adjustments you need to make. Instead of having to try and get faster um, and learn the track and learn the groove and all those ins and outs of having a new racetrack, and then only having 40 minutes of practice, it definitely makes your nerves a little, a little more on edge. Of uh, you know, am I going to pick this up right away? But all those go away right away when you when you can go to the top of the charts and, and have a good car. So from there, we just fine tuned it, and uh, we were really really happy with how our speed was in practice and. Um, obviously, I had that late draw for qualifying, um, and uh, you know we were able to get the pole on the first lap. So 
Um, you know, and then from there, you just as a leader, it's it's a little bit easier to control the control the starts and everything. And our car was just really good, and we were able to get a nice little gap and then save our tires in case there was going to be late restarts. But um, you know, I, I really, even if I didn't win, I, I love that racetrack, Jennerstown. It was a great track. I'm excited that that's back on the schedule, and uh, hopefully, it's a long term partnership between us and, and and the track to keep going there. Are there any tracks you can compare it to for for a fan that watches the Bonafide Tour regular? It just seems like such a different. Uh, uh, animal from a, from at least from a viewership perspective. Yeah, definitely was uh, very different. A lot of uh, really big sweeping corners. It kind of was um, to me. It was smooth, uh, like us, um, like Stafford, but it had the same kind of shape, and it kind of raced similar to Oswego. I'd say if you kind of morph them two together. Uh, it was similar to that, and you know, with the hot temperatures, it really threw everybody for a loop on trying to find find grip, and everybody was definitely sliding around and stuff like that. So it made for good racing, and um, it was a, a beautiful facility. It's a shame we haven't been racing there for years, but um, you know, their Bill, the general manager from there, um, you know, is excited to have us back, and I think uh, I think it's going to be a good partnership for our for our series. So you get Ryan Stone on board two years ago, uh, and I tweeted out last night, you guys have won uh, so many races together, I think 15 out of 33, so basically 30, uh, 50, not 30, 50% of your races together. Uh, you had Billy Michael before that, you guys had a lot of success too, but what is it about Ryan Stone and you that, that that's working so well uh, that's giving you guys the opportunity to be this successful? Yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, it's Ryan's dedication to, to working on the cars. I mean, he just eats, sleeps, and breathes this stuff. He's at the shop, you know, probably 13 hours a day, every day. Um, you know, even with the pandemic and us not racing, he's been there nonstop, whether it's working on the trailer or upgrading the pit equipment and, and just trying to get better every day. That's all he wants to do is, is, is go out and race. He is, he is a difficult person to deal with during the winter when we're not racing because this is all he wants to do. He just wants to go to the racetrack every day of the week and race and, uh, you know he he just puts his whole life into it and he's he's on top of that is one of the smartest minds that modified racing has so um he he's always knowing what i'm looking for i mean and the biggest thing is we unload fast so when we come off the truck and we just have to you know make it a little stagger adjustment or, or a little bit of wedge or track bar we're not swinging for the fence by changing shocks and springs it's just so helpful and um you know when i i give him you know a one to ten scale what the car is doing he he knows instantly you know how much of an adjustment he needs to make because by no means am i telling him to go you know down on the bar one round or take a half an inch of stagger or a quarter inch of stagger i'm not i'm not by any means a crew chief so i leave that up to him and he always knows the, the right balance and it keeps me calm when i need during the race and yeah, he's um he's just all around a great leader and on top of that our team he he leads our team in such a great way that it, it elevates all of us as a, as a group so 2020 is going to bring you to White Mountain Motorsports Park uh, here on July 4th. I mean, have you have you been to that facility? Have you watched YouTube videos yet? Have you thought about what that track rate lace like? Some people kind of compare it size-wise to Riverhead. I think it's a little bit bigger than that. Uh, the corners are a little bit wider. you got some banking there. It's a cool track, and I think Modifieds will go well there. But have you been there? Have you seen it? Have you watched anything yet? Have you even started looking at that? I looked into it a little bit. I was really more worried about Jennerstown and getting that off the, you know, on the right foot because I'd never been there either. Um, but I did watch some videos from the, the race they had there last year that Nacella won and, and just tried to watch a little bit of highlights and comments on what they said. I've never been there before. Uh, from what I see, it looks really cool. Um, it does look like a really big quarter mile, but it's a really fast quarter mile. It kind of, to me, it looks like uh, a Monadnock, but both ends are the same as turn one and two at, Man at Monadnock, not, not that egg shape that Monadnock has. So it looks like it's going to be a really fast-paced race. Um, you know, I, we always run well at the quarter miles. Uh, 
you know, you know, going to another new track is cool. Um, doing so well at Jennerstown kind of takes that nerves off going to White Mountain. It's a little bit of the nerves of, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to be fast? Is everything going to be good? But, um, you know, it's exciting to, out of, you know, with everything going on in this pandemic and, and the stuff in the world today, I mean, it's unfortunate we lost a couple of our big marquee events, but we've also gained uh, Jennerstown and now White Mountain. So hopefully for the future, this could build a better schedule for us, you know, have more tracks that are willing to take tour dates and, um, you know, hopefully some positives come out of it. So I'm excited to go there. It looks like a really fun racetrack and, uh, you know, the owners seem to be excited to have us, which is always a good thing. Before we let you go, who's on board here? I know you got Phoenix Communications, uh, obviously Ken Mass and everything he does for you, but who makes it happen for you to get to the track and not only be this successful, but have the opportunity to get behind the wheel and race for a modified tour championship that's going to be a little bit shortened, at least in 2020? Yeah, for sure. We can't do it without Phoenix Communications, Mark and Marie. Uh, they, they do so much for us and keep us uh, financially stable, and they're just really good supporters of ours. become such big race fans. Uh, they, they're always checking in with us since they can't come to the races, and, and we love all their support. And uh, we got ClearCom IT Solutions on board with us as well. Uh, this year as an associate sponsor, M3 Technologies, Ken Mass's company, always, you know, this is our 11th season together. Uh, him and his wife, Jenny Massa, they do, uh, they do so much for our team. And um, Robbie Gates Racing Engines, Fury Race Cars, all our product sponsors, uh, just everybody, that uh, the whole team, everybody, all their family, everybody that's on board with us to uh, to make it happen. It's one big, one big team, and um, it's all got to go pulling in the right direction, and uh, we're off to a good start. So hopefully it's a sign of things to come, and we can keep uh, getting some more wins. Well, Justin's off to a quick start for 2020. Justin, thanks for taking a few minutes uh, to recap Jennerstown, talk what's coming up. Look forward to seeing you at White Mountain here in a couple weeks. Thank you. Pleasure being on. All right. That's been Justin Bonsier. When we come back, uh, we're going to wrap up the show for this week's edition of Mainly Modified. Stick with us here for a moment. We will be right back. You've seen the paintings. The Thanksgiving turkey being served at Grandma's. The weathered farmer sending his baby-faced son off to college. Now be sure and write. The wise police officer sitting at the soda bar, talking a young boy out of running away from home. Where are you going, son? Norman Rockwell didn't create the best in us. He just inspired the best. Inspiration. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. And welcome back to Mainly Modifieds as we uh, get ready to close things out here. Uh, again, Kyle, a, a, a really good interview with, with Justin. And, you know, I think uh, I think we just look at this whole big picture of the Wheel and Modified Tour, see him at the top of it. Um, and, you know, so many, so many situations within the tour, but I think uh, with the shortened schedule and – you know, and the and the the combination of he and Ryan Stone, um, you know, you're right. I mean, they've got to be looked at as the favorites going forward for the championship until, you know, until somebody proves they can beat him enough times to overcome him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that's you know that, that's my main point out of the interview. He he feels confident. Uh, he feels confident in his future uh, with Ryan Stone and Ken Massa. He feels confident in what they have planned for the rest of the season on the modified tour, whatever it is. No matter where they go, uh, he feels like he's ready uh, to get the job done. So looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do uh, starting this coming Saturday. Uh, it's actually one more week uh, at White Mountain. What can he do there? Can he do that dominating performance again? Does somebody else kind of spark in there uh, and, and make a, a stance that they're going to not let him beat them in every race? 
Uh, it, it reminds me a lot, Tom, of what happened with Kobe and Phil Moran when they first got together. They were just so unbeatable yeah. uh, for a little while there. It, it just looks eerily similar to me. Well, it's uh, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, of course, you know, the July 4th weekend going to be a big one for uh, modified fans, as we talked about with now the doubleheader, uh, the NASCAR show at uh, White Mountain, and then the Tri-Track show uh, at Monadnock should be a lot of fun. Uh, what do we have coming up on next week's Mainly Modifieds? Yeah, next week we'll talk a little bit more about the Tri-Track series. I mean, we covered it. Uh, probably two months ago now when we thought they were going to get underway, and obviously they didn't uh, due to the COVID pandemic. So we'll cover what they've got planned for 2020 uh, and kind of how they anticipate their race schedule to work out. Obviously, uh, they're a little bit delayed as well, just like the NASCAR tour was. They were scheduled to take place with their opener on May 2nd. It's now June 23rd as we tape this. They're going to open July 4th. The rest of their schedule uh, July 5th, excuse me, that race moved to that Sunday, the 5th of July, for the tri-track opener. The remaining of their schedule remains in place. Uh, so we'll talk about that, what race teams are committed and entered, uh, and what race teams may all of a sudden jump in late uh, on the situation. So looking forward to uh, dealing with that, talking about the tri-track series, and next week we'll talk a little bit more about the Modified Tour as well, uh, what else is going on at Jennerstown, talk about some of the guys that struggled and whether or not they can rebound coming up at White Mountain. Sounds good. And a quick note before we close, I think Derek Griffith had himself a big win over the weekend, too, did he not? Derek did, picking up the pass win at White Mountain uh, in the Super Late Models, the Pro All-Star Series. Jeremy Davis coming home second. Derek, the last time they went there, I was in attendance a couple weeks ago. They struggled uh, horribly uh, with the setup in that car. Uh, They got their front torn off during the race. It just was not a good day. This time, obviously, they went back with a package that was ready. Uh, Griffith himself bowing down from the ARCA East Championship quest uh, this past week, or maybe two weeks ago now, uh, saying that they're going to run select events. He was scheduled to run the whole thing with Chad Bryant, but it just didn't work out uh, due to the pandemic. Instead, they're going to run select events. Uh, and I mean, he's going to start this coming Friday with the actual ARCA Menard series, the big time, uh, at Pocono. So J- Derek going to be back behind the wheel there. Uh, pass is back in action uh, actually on July 3rd, the day before the modified tour at White Mountain. So that weekend really queuing up to be a major one uh, with pass on Friday at White Mountain, the tour on Saturday at White Mountain, and Sunday the tri-track over at Monadnock. Uh, definitely a weekend, and again, I'll, I'll say, buy your tickets ahead. Do not wait, because it could go quickly. For sure, and with that, we will uh, put the bow on this week's Mainly Modifieds. We hope all of you have a very safe and uh, enjoyable week. And Kyle and I will be back in one week's time with the next Manly Modifieds episode. Until then, for Kyle, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. So long. You've been listening to Mainly Modifieds, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.